Um, all right, we're recording. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a, a very special episode of Soccer Situations. Yeah, yeah, a little throwback for us. Yeah, Todd and Alex are here, um, but this one's all about our first ever special guest, um, the man, the myth, Graham Corder, who was, I don't know, where to begin? He was there. I mean, he was there at the beginning of our our soccer journey. It's true. He saw a very, if you think we're ill-informed now, he saw a very much less informed Alex and Todd back in the day. Yeah, yeah. We knew nothing about the game back then. I wouldn't say nothing. Come on. We still knew more than everybody else. It was just a lower level of more than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That yeah. is true. Um, but anyway, uh, enough about us, you know. Um, yeah, we're talking to our old friend Graham here um, from our Chicago days. Um, and he's just the best. He's an avid Manchester United fan going way back in the day. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, that, his fatal flaw. Um, and he's also a phenomenal barman and host. Yeah, um, the best host. Yeah, he he was there for um, a really, really good era of soccer pub culture in Chicago. Um, yeah. And he was the perfect host. You know, I don't want to oversell mine and Graham's friendship. Actually, we were never really like BFFs, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, um, no. We'd see him in the pub. Um, we have a lot of mutual friends, both through soccer and through uh, the music industry in Chicago, the music scene there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the industry and yada, yada. Um, but how good did it feel to pull up a stool to Graham's bar? You didn't have to be his best friend. You pulled up a stool and Graham was there. You were just like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was the best. It's going to be he, the right vibe for the morning. It's going to be chill. Yeah, he was the chill vibe. He always had something funny to say. Um, right? Yeah, he had the best energy for like an early morning where everyone's kind of drinking or hungover from the night before. Yes. It was the best. Fantastic host. And as we've said a handful of times already, uh, the absolute real deal as an old school, um, wizened old grizzled sorry Graham uh, Manchester United fan um, <laughs> and because of that our conversation I had roughly planned for 20 to 30 minutes in my head we were going to plug this into the next episode of soccer situations yeah like it's just a segment yeah the conversation went it was so fun and it went so well um, we decided to release this as a standalone standalone uh, special preview episode for the uh, Liverpool Manchester United game this weekend yeah, yeah, because we, when we put this all together, we totally forgot somehow that that game was coming up. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Timing was just perfect. Yeah, so thank you for tuning in. Listen to Graham, Alex, and I. Um, oh, yeah, sorry about this in advance. Um, due to some technical difficulties in wrangling um, a remote call-in, um, Alex's microphone gets a little bit sidelined on this. So you'll hear Alex howling in the back, hollering in the background like a lunatic. We were a little worried about it as we were recording, so I didn't I didn't interrupt too much. So it's mostly Graham talking, which is, is good. So that's how it should be. He's a, he's the special guest. Anyway, um enjoy um Graham and I recapping the resurgence, the revolution of Manchester United. Yeah. And then predicting Predicting the weekend's game. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you. Enjoy. Enjoy it. Soccer situation. Yeah, I'm about eight minutes walk to the bar. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, talk about the bar a little bit. What's it called? 
Uh, it's called Low Main. Uh, it's in the Ridgedale neighborhood here in Chattanooga. Um, it's the gentrification hand has definitely got its claws on everything around here, but we were lucky enough to get a spot that uh, and open it for less than an arm and a leg. Nice, and dude. I actually calculated how much I saved opening a business here versus Chicago, and it was staggering the amount of money that I saved. I can only imagine as someone who opened and closed a business in Chicago, that city is like a gauntlet. They don't make it easy at all, dude. No, my uh, my really good friend is opening a wine shop up there, and they're just throwing everything at them that they can, you know, just hands out, like, pay this, pay this, pay this. There's also, they have to pay, you know, there's the bribe, and then there's the tax on the bribe, so. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's not a hospitable environment for businesses, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I, I was just up there a couple of weeks ago, and it was, it was great to walk around the old neighborhood, but it's. Yeah, it's the best cool. city at the same time, you know. Yeah. Like one day I'll get back up there, but uh, for now it's, it's pretty nice. Um, when did you leave anyway, exactly? So yeah, we left in 2018. Um, okay. Yeah, came down here to start looking to open a business and get a house. And then property down here boomed. It's actually more expensive here to get a house than it is in Chicago. Wow. Right now, which is nuts. Uh, yeah, so that's been that's been crazy. But uh, I was fortunate enough to had a friend who knew somebody that had an old house and we refurbished the whole place and turned it into low main and got a little, little funky dive. I don't even want to say dive bar. If you call it a dive bar, it's not a dive bar, but sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually drinking an old style right now. So nice. I've got old style three Floyds and the Lord. So I've got my own little, you know, bit of Chicago carved out down here. Oh, that's perfect, man. Yeah. I've seen some pictures of the place. It looks really cool, man. Like, Without a doubt, that's where I'd be hanging if I lived there. So it's a uh, it's, it's pretty cool, uh, and we're we're real fortunate. Uh, I mean, we paid off our loan in a year and a half. Oh, so amazing! Um, are you showing games there at all? Uh, I am. It's Chattanooga is not as big of a city for that kind of thing. We've sure. got our own soccer team here, Chattanooga Football Club, uh, and it actually is um, fan owned. So I've got oh, cool. I got shares in that. Um, can't remember what league they're in. It's like NSL or something like that. <laughs> uh, it's something weird, but they're, they're actually a lot of fun to go to. The team is exciting. Um, I'll be honest that they're, they're more fun to watch than the Chicago Fire ever was when I was living in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's a, a low, low bar, bar, but yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, but it's, it's there's a lot of places that really embrace it. You see a lot of scarves everywhere. I mean, there actually was a Liverpool bar here when I moved here, and I tried to go watch games there, and they wouldn't even turn off golf for it. Oh, yeah. wow. So they, they had their huge, like, you know, Chattanooga Liverpool supporters, and now they wouldn't even put the Liverpool game on. So it's just kind of weird about how things were. But yeah, I'm starting. Is, I'm getting a little niche following down at my spot where people who are, you know, I've got some Irish expats and some people that are like, "Hey, you're gonna open up for the United game," and I was like, "And I'm I'm up." So if you guys want to watch it, I'll just come down <laughs> to the bar and watch it with you. It's cool. It kind of felt like a. It's been feeling like old small bar days here of late. That's amazing. <laughs> dude. Seven thirty and. You know, people lined up and cold waiting to get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of, you know, I, I thought for a moment about trying to round up Andy for this call, too. And uh, I, I lost his contact info, actually, because I only had him on social media and I deleted my personal socials. So that was a bummer. But, uh, yeah, we tried to go for a full reunion. That would have been great. I haven't talked to him in a while. I hope he's doing well. 
yeah, I know he was moving around up into the Pacific Northwest last time I heard, like working through making wine. So. Yeah, I've seen him a few times over the years. Um, he when I had a cafe, he popped in from time to time when he was in mm-hmm. town. We actually watched the Liverpool Tottenham Champions League final together at High Dive because we couldn't get into Cleo's. Um, yeah. Uh, but that was pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, I think he he always seems really happy when I talk to him. He's essentially living a nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, just learning to make wine and following harvests. I think. <laughs> that's, that's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, he's an interesting dude. That's cool. You guys are in the same city again. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm being fully honest, it's not like my dream. <laughs> um, I, I was bummed to leave Chicago, um, but I was broke and kind of just treading water there, you know, not really getting anything done. Um, I want to go out to L.A., I think. Um, yeah. And um, the idea is to come here and really kind of focus and polish up this podcast a little bit and see mm-hmm. if we can get it up to a decent grade that we can make something of it. Um, and then uh, move out to L.A. and get another industry gig and see and push this on the side. That's my plan. Yeah, it's always weird going home. Like it's it's been I, I won't I won't say it's been easy being back in my hometown, but it's uh the opportunity was there. I mean, I, I could have never opened a business in Chicago, and then like you said about treading water, I didn't I just didn't want to end up being that like bitter old bartender, you know? Just yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly, dude. You see it happen to so many of your friends when you're in the industry, you know? Yeah, and I love them all. It, it's just it was not uh, not where I needed to be at, you know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's not an indictment um, of the people that, that live that life or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I completely understand your decision. Um, as someone who loves to be in bed by, like, 9 o'clock, um, <laughs> I, I would not want to be a bartender, you know, just an industry, like, grunt for, you know, into old age. Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, I still work behind my bar, and I've got two late shifts, and it's Oh, you're still pulling late shifts? <laughs> Just two. It's grueling. I can't, That's I can't, funny. It's, it's all I can do to stay awake by the end of it. Um, yeah, you know, I uh, staged with Paco at Big Star and, uh, because I was going to be looking for bartending jobs out here. And I just saw him when I was up there. Like, yeah, he mentioned that. I, I was considering roping him into this conversation, too. He's shy about talking, I think. Yeah, but, no, <laughs> um, but anyway, he's such a baby. He's always out by nine. He's like, basically. <laughs> I'm working towards right now it's just not being there late you know right that's the dr- it's funny how that becomes the dream once you get a little bit older just don't want to be here that, that late <laughs> yeah. you guys have fun do your thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah right um all right so coming back around to manchester united i kind of broke the notes up into three broad categories yeah, um okay yeah that, we're, we're going to talk the history of the um the rebuild obviously we're talking post ferguson um, and then chapter two will be kind of your current impressions of where we're at, how it stands. And then we'll look forward a little bit. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty basic uh, story structure here. Notes for myself here. So Awesome. Yeah. I, as you can see, I did a pretty rough outline. I didn't put um, a ton of time into it. But uh, yeah, I think I just didn't want to miss any really obvious topics. You know, let's start with a little bit of the history then. Um, in my impression, the club tried to do the right thing when Fergie retired and find kind of a grassroots style manager that was going to build young talent up, right? Was that what Moyes was supposed to be? Yeah. I mean, I think that also Ferguson, you know, he, he was excited to get another Scotsman who was, 
You know, he, he put a lot of work into Everton and put them into some decent positions at times. Yeah, it's, I say uh, that with all respect for uh, David Moyes. That Everton was, was fantastic under his leadership. And I honestly don't think he got the, the fair shake he deserved. I mean, he was, you know, they gave him seven months, not even a whole season. And the only player that they allowed him to bring in was Marijuana Fellaini. I mean, yeah. who had his one, his one skill of being able to, like, you know, get the ball on his chest there and yeah. maybe get it in or get a volley. But he was not a great player, you know, not an exciting player. Yeah. And there was an aging squad at that point. I mean, that, that was one of the, I think it was the third rebuild that Ferguson did. Mm-hmm. And Rio Ferdinand was losing pace. Vidic was close to retiring. Um, he misused Van Persie, in my opinion. That was one thing that I think Moyes had against him was that uh, Van Persie had his own personal fitness, like, uh, Oh, right. Program. And he said, no, you have to do it my way. And then he started getting injured. So, yeah, that's a little bit old fashioned. It's like when someone even as sort of famously old fashioned as Ferguson is catering to a player like that, maybe go ahead and trust that that's the right move. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that was Ferguson. His, his biggest, like, I think his biggest strength was his man management. He knew, you know, when to like cut people off and get rid of the dead weight. He also knew when to like support them. Right. I think it was Cantona showed up at one of their events wearing like a crazy outfit, not a club suit. And uh, it was gigs that somebody's like, why does he get to uh, not wear the suit? And he's like, because he's banging in goals right now. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you got to let a maverick fly, you know? You wonder, I mean, Moyes, in hindsight, it's easy to say he was just a sacrificial lamb because that job is always going to be impossible after Ferguson. do you, you wonder, did the board look at it that way? I forgot how poorly they really did back him. They, he really didn't stand a chance, did he? No. I mean, they he was handed an old squad that wasn't his. He got rid of the entire backroom staff. And I don't know if that was him or the board, but there was a lot of people there. And it just it, it didn't work, you know? It was like putting a square into a round hole. It just was not going to happen for him. And right. I think if they'd actually backed him and given him a little time, it could have been all right. Right. But, yeah, I feel like I remember they, that Fergie team toward the end there being like, how was he winning with that team? You know, like how <laughs> how was he keeping it together with that team? Oh, yeah. When he like, won the title with Van Persie, it felt like he really was just pushing that across the line. Yeah. I mean, I still that was the best 22 million pounds ever spent was picking up Van Persie from Arsenal. Yeah, Van Persie, <laughs> was, I, that was a <laughs> heartbreaking for us. Heartbreaking for Yeah, that's tough. That's and tough, Alex. Win a title. Yeah. And be real smug about it. It was a. It was it was a strange uh it was, it was a strange purchase at the time, but I mean he knew that like he had one more chance to win the title and he needed that striker at that time. Right. And then. He had some good years at United. Like it was only that first year, I think, that Van Persie really was, you know, what's it, 25, 27 goals that he. Yeah, that one scored. season, he, he absolutely, everything he touched went in. Yeah, he put everything into that season. To yeah. yeah, let's move down the line a little bit faster. Um, yeah. Got a lot to talk about, I guess. So, um, Von Hall, um, give me your general impression when he came. Uh, obviously, this move, rather than kind of a working class British manager. Now we've moved down to a really big name continental manager. I mean, you know, he's one of the, like, I could say he's one of the Dutch masters, even though he, his systems were never quite what a lot of other Dutch coaches were with a total football. He was, 
really embracing that five at the back, uh, having two strikers up front with an attacking midfielder behind him. Uh, he, again, they gave him a lot of tools to use, uh, bringing in uh, Angel Di Maria for one, and then Falcao. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think he did was the right choice. I think he was too stubborn uh, to be in the Premier League. We had some big wins, but I mean, you've got somebody like Di Maria who just won the Champions League, and then putting him inside of a midfield diamond where he wasn't comfortable playing. It's just a waste of money and a waste of talent. Um, I think ultimately he was just too stubborn for that job. Marcus Rashford came out this week complimenting him. Did you see that? I did. Um, I mean, I do respect the fact that towards the end, like the end of his tenure, he, he put the youth forward. I mean, yeah. even Rashford, his starts and like those first four goals he scored, you know, in the Europa League and then again in, uh, against Arsenal were, were huge. And like you could tell there was a special talent there and a natural just a natural goal scorer, and then bringing Jesse Lingard forward, um, and then picking also uh, signing Martial, who at the time, like, I mean, his first goal against Liverpool was one of my favorite goals ever scored. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, um, Alex and I are both still big Martial fans. Uh, I think kind of both sad for him, but happy it didn't work out at United. Um, um, But yeah, I think we both still rate that guy and kind of wait for him to come good. I feel like he should have been amazing. Yeah, and I think that uh, well, the current manager, when he's fit, uh, is using him properly. They, between him and Rashford, they've been moved back and forth between the center and the left, and then on the right, and also forced to work with our larger name strikers, uh, which has kind of stunted their development. I think. I mean, it helped in some ways, but uh, like Ronaldo and Slatan, but again, like these were talents that were coming up when we should have been embracing them. Um, and that brings us on to Mourinho, a guy famous for bringing up young talent. <laughs> he was never, never going to work at United. <laughs> no, um, I remember Paco. I'm going to call Paco out being excited about it. He's like, man, I always hated him, but now I love him. Like, dude, this is such a mistake. This is the train wreck waiting to happen. Oh, and bringing Pogba back for that fee. I mean, I know he wanted to have a marquee signing. Bringing Zlatan in on a free was probably the best thing that he did, I think. Smart, yeah. Um, he's, he's a brilliant manager, but he just loses the plot. And it's that, it's that third season curse for him. He just can't get past it, you know? Yeah, yeah. He just loves to complain in public about every little thing, too. If he's not getting the, the backing of the board. I'm sorry, I, I do think that the board it was one of the biggest things that we had a hard time with. Like, it's, you can't replace David Gill after he, he left during Ferguson's tenure. Um, sure. We just couldn't recruit anybody big names, you know? Sure. Or if we did, we were paying double what we should be paying. Yeah, recruitment is just getting more and more cutthroat season by season with new superpower, new superpower rising every season. It's just yeah, insane these days. But yeah, the real problem with Mourinho is once things start to head south, it's just he takes everything down with him. He is yeah. definitely like spraying a gas can around the offices. Yeah, um, it's not his fault. It's never his fault. <laughs> no, no, never. <laughs> to be fair, I thought he made more sense at United than he did at Tottenham. That was even more just batshit insane. Oh yeah, that was just a, a disaster, an absolute disaster. Um, did you did you end up watching that all or nothing? Was it all or nothing that covered Tottenham? Tottenham yeah. yeah, they did. A- I tried. I couldn't do it. It just got. It was so cringy at times. <laughs> cringy is what I was gonna say. The way uh, Levy was like simping, following Mourinho around like a little puppy was so embarrassing, dude. Yeah, I can't believe he's still at Tottenham, but I'm kind of glad he's there because they'll never win anything as long as Levy's there. <laughs> Levy's there. <laughs> it seems like it. it seems that yeah. Way. And from Mourinho, you went to a, an interim and then permanent Solskjaer. This one was a roller coaster too, huh? 
Yeah, I mean, he came out, and I think he was doing the right thing with the attacking football. Tactically, he was not – I mean, he had his games where, like, he'd have these moments where you're like, oh, he actually making some changes. You know he's doing things. I mean, against uh, Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League, and that win against them was probably one of the most fun games I've ever watched. Um, but, again, he didn't have the backing of the board, and I do think that the reason he got sacked was because they put Ronaldo back in. Sure. And he had built – he had these young players that were all, you know, the Greenwood, Martial, and Rashford in the front, and just this front Clicking. three that they can just rotate, you know. Yeah. At the, yeah. Then you cram Ronaldo back into the middle of that. I mean, he scored a lot of goals that first that last season, but at the expense of I think a lot of other people having goals and assists, it went from being a team to give him the ball. Yeah. You know. Rewinding a little bit, when Solskjaer first took over when he was still interim, did it piss you off at how instantly amazing Paul Pogba got for a second? Because I feel like if I was a United fan, I would have been furious. Like he was obviously on strike under Mourinho, right? Well, I also think too that like you watch Pogba at France and like see the best position, like he's not a pivot. He needs to be a box to box midfielder. Put him in like a midfield three on the left and just let him go. And that's he's I mean, his range of passing is insane. Like he sure. became a better player. Okay, yeah. that's a that's a, that's a healthy way of looking at it. Yeah, I was much more cynical. Just like that motherfucker was just trying to push Jose out the door. <laughs> I mean, he, def- he definitely was, and but I think that he was shackled tactically by Mourinho, and he had a hard time like doing the jobs that he wanted. Mourinho wanted him to stay back and be a, like a pivot, you know, a pivot, a four-two-three-one. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's exactly the kind of reasonable take we got you on here for Graham. Thank you. Mourinho <laughs> yeah, was uh, an interesting experiment. All right, let's let's go on to part two. Uh, current times. Um, I have here on the headlines or bullet points early impressions of Ten Hag. Um, by that I guess I mean the time leading up to signing him and kind of his first impressions and coming into the club before things started rolling. I mean, what he did at uh, Ajax was insane. Like going to the semifinals, beating—I know he beat was it—he uh, beat Real Madrid four-one at the Bernabeu with yeah. that team. And that team was there was a lot of good players, but he had I'm trying to think of uh, some of the, the experienced players he had, but mostly like young kids. And he just had them drilled. They were fast. They were fun to watch. Uh, um, see, seeing what he did there, and when I heard his name was mentioned, like uh, just possibly being a you know the united job i was excited that's that's yeah. somebody who like especially after ralph rangnick which we didn't even talk about and we don't need to skip not worth talking oh about. i forgot ralph, yeah. <laughs> ralph. Most people do. that's funny because i pulled that list i think copy and paste from wikipedia so i think i think wikipedia forgot ralph um <laughs> kind of why i wanted to recap the failed attempts um to get a sense of did this feel different right away you, you think it did yeah, I mean, it's, it's just seeing what he did at uh, Ajax, and like I knew like kind of who he was just from like when he was at Bayern Munich, uh, doing their Bayern Munich two team, but I did never get to see any of those games. I just knew that they had somebody that was good, mm. and uh, you could instantly see when he took over in preseason that he was it was his way or that's it. Like he was on top of everything, and cool. it was a different team and. I've said during this whole drought since Ferguson left, like we need to switch to a four-three-three with a holding midfielder and two eights behind the front three, and everybody's just stuck to that four-two-three-one. Like it's just, you know, it, it, it's, 
can't get away from it. It was insane. Like, uh, and actually, I'll, well, I'm sure I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but uh, you mentioned, I think, on the last episode about how each team needs that spine and they need that rock defensive midfielder. Yeah. That's what you build the team around. And 100%. Like, you, you have somebody like that that can clean up and make passes and, I mean, cast like what Casemiro's done. No, that's not too far ahead. Um, that's just, we're just about to get onto the team. Um, what I have here in the notes as a crude cynicism, this is stuff, something that I've heard from other United fans is just, even though, so you got your guy in Ten Hag, um, things are looking up. Was there still any doubt maybe that the ownership weren't going to back him the right way in the market or that things still weren't really going to go correctly just because it's been a little bit since they hadn't? Or were you feeling pretty good at this point? No, I knew that the owners were going to mess it up somehow. I mean, <laughs> they spent some money, and I think the, the, the signings he made were all very smart. Um, yeah. But yeah. We, we were never in any position to, like, get any big names. Um when we were chasing Frankie de Jong, I, he's right. not a, a hundred million pound player. I don't right. think he's a great player and he's going to be even better, but he's not what I think we needed at the base of our midfield, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I was like, I think openly critical on the podcast about his recruitment, not critical. I thought they were decent signings, but it, it, like I said, he's just recruiting from the Dutch league. It seemed too obvious, but they're all working out really smart. Um, yeah, maybe um, we just brought that up on maybe turn the – it seems to be working even though he's – you know, we were critical of the choice to just kind of delve into the Dutch league a bit. Yeah, um, so let's dive into the team. Um, the first bullet point I have, as we already mentioned, is Casemiro. He's been revolutionary. Yeah, I mean, an absolute just winner. I mean, five Champions Leagues under his belt. He uh, – I actually just had to read a great article in The Guardian about how like astute he is when it comes to watching film and preparing – and just he looks after himself and his fitness. He can, it's it's moving on to the rest of the squad. Like people are going to him, like, what should I do here? And he's like, oh, watch this film with me. And his English isn't great; it's getting better. But he's he just really takes it seriously. And then on top of that, his physicality. Like he's he's a hard tackler. He's one of those people you don't want to go through. And yeah. <laughs> he'll make those tackles and then get the ball like right up to the front again. Like his range of passing is insane. Um, just his vision and positional awareness. And uh, actually, Roy Keane said something pretty interesting about him where he's like, he's not a defensive midfielder. He's an all-around midfielder because he's everywhere. Anytime there's yeah. space, he's there. Um, and it's basing that team off of him. Like, since he's, you know, they, they really ease him into the team. But since he's been starting, it's, I think we haven't lost a game that Varane and him have started together. I think that was the stat that I read. I wow. could be wrong on that. Yeah, that but, does uh, sound right. <laughs> Talk about a spine. That's yeah, rock solid. And, I mean, and then on to Martinez. I mean, yeah. nobody, JB Carragher thought he was too short, and like, he's just a bulldog. Yeah, when, when Carragher apologizes, you know he's he's proven some people wrong. He just apologized <laughs> about it. <laughs> I mean, he's just everywhere. Yeah, and Varane's like, uh, his positioning is great. But if you get past him, you got to go against the little guy, and he's going to get you. <laughs> he's yeah. just fast and mean and aggressive. Right. And he's a total player. And so he's one of those players that can, like, jump in the air and seems to hang that extra half a second, you know, for a header. Yeah, he's, it's true. Uh, you can see uh, yeah, how his height doesn't really seem to be a huge handicap. I know exactly what you mean. And then um, let's – well, 
I've got De Gea on here. There's not really anything new to say about David De Gea, but he just he's... broke the uh, broke the record for uh, you know clean sheets for Manchester United, which is insane. Wow. Yeah, y'all have had some decent keepers in your history. And uh, I still remember uh, his first appearance for United was against the Chicago Fire at Soldier Field. No way. Yeah, he <laughs> came on the second half. Yeah, he flew and met the team in Chicago. That was the first time he got to train with them. So that is amazing. Can I steal that um, pop quiz? I'll credit you on uh, Instagram stories. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really fun. Um, yeah, he's been incredible as always. He really kept you frustratingly relevant in your lowest of lows. You know, those yeah, Europa League like, days should have been completely out of Europe. I feel like, except for him. Yeah, he kept us in a lot of competitions far beyond where we should have been. Um, Definitely. And again, I think uh, some of the modern tactics they've tried to like get him into is a lot of passing out of the back. That's not his strength, but he's getting better at it. His games. His game is evolving, but as a shot stopper, I mean, he's one of the hardest guys to beat. He's just his reflexes, his strength. He's an incredible keeper. For sure. Um, now let's talk Marcus Rashford. Um, I used to he used to annoy me just because he was more famous for being a Boy Scout that was feeding school kids than uh, yeah. being much of a footballer. <laughs> he seems to have moved past that, though. Right. I mean, I'm not sure what exactly has happened. I know the discipline in the squad is a lot more intense with Ten Hag, but that I mean, I saw it like flashes in the World Cup where he'd come on and you could see him like just running at people and he scored some good goals. Uh, uh, I was kind of bummed that Harry Kane got a lot more playtime than him because obviously you could see he was starting to ramp up again. Yeah. And his his pace is incredible. Like oh my god, you know, Um. But to see him come back, like no other player in any of the top leagues since the World Cup has scored more than Marcus Rashford. Wow. I, mean, I think he's like seven goals ahead of Holland. Uh, or at least he was last night, like last week. I know Holland scored some his last game. But still, he's just on fire. Like it's inevitable yeah. he's going to score right now. The, the confidence is visible. He's like actually like aura, radiating. It's crazy. Yeah. Like um, even when he's he looks physically bigger. Am I crazy? Like, has he put on muscle mass? He definitely has. I know that he came to the United States uh, during the summer and trained at the Nike facility and, like, worked with some specific specialists to, to get where he's at. Like, he wanted to keep his pace but also bulk up and just be more of a nuisance to people. He looks taller. I mean. <laughs> he <does>. <laughs> <laughs> God only knows uh, what they're doing at Nike. Yeah. The secret lab. <laughs> <laughs> I, w I would hate to be a defender and face him right now because he's either going to get past you or get around you. Like he's, especially with the midfield behind him right now, that's when the biggest change is having United all of a sudden has a strong midfield. You know, even right. even Fred looks good right now. Yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of I asked uh, Graham to do his BBC. Uh, Liverpool, Manchester United combined 11. 11. I didn't look at it. I saw you sent me it. I thought we should yeah. look at them and, and compare each other's uh, live here. I thought that'll be fun. Yeah, so we'll do that when we're done breaking down the team here. Yeah. Um, so after Rashford, I've got Garnacho on the list as kind of story of the season. Um, he looks pretty fantastic. I can't say I've seen enough of him to really break down his play, but playmaking looks really dangerous as a goal threat as well. He made a huge mistake bleaching his hair, but aside from oh, that, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's come out and like you know coming up from the youth program um, and just seeing him he had run at people, and, and when he first came out, I was like he's as a sub, 
he scored some goals and Ten Hag was quick to shut him down and be like, you're not the finished article yet. You need to work harder to be where you're at. And he's, you can see like in his celebrations, he's toned down a little bit and focusing. But I mean, he's got blistering pace. He can beat a man. Um, he's great to put on as a sub. And like we saw this over the week or against West Ham yesterday. Yeah. or Yeah, yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he scored an incredible goal. Like just a great first touch on that ball. And just the defender, I mean, he should probably never play in the Premier League again. That was just terrible how he laid off of him and let him get that <laughs> curler in. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he, he's a an, another weapon in that, in that front three that's just terrifying with the pace, you know? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, jealousy looks great. Um, now we talked about the back line. We talked about we mentioned Varane and, and Martinez. So what happens with Harry Maguire? Does he stay in the squad? Is he still a leader in that squad? Um, does he move this summer for sure? I think he should move. Um, he was never worth the 80 million pounds that we paid for him. I still can't believe that or 85 or whatever it was. It was that was a panic buy is what that yeah. was. And he's just not fast enough to, to build a team around. Uh, he's, his positioning is not great. Um, he has good games, but I don't think at the level that United is trying to be at, um, you know, he's not a Virgil van Dyke. you know, he's not somebody that like leads that whole defense. Um, he might be great in the dressing room, but I think it's time for him to go. It has been. Gotcha. I think Lester would be happy to have him back for 20 mil. Yeah, there you go. Seems to be smart business for them, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, let's break down the other Ten Hag signings. I don't know if I missed anybody here. Feel free to add to this. And we've talked uh, to Sandra Martinez a little bit. How about Malasia and Anthony? I mean, Anthony's got one trick. He's kind of like Arjen Robin. You know, he can cut in and he's going to use that left foot and take a shot every time. Is he but good he's... enough? <laughs> Um, I think he'll, he'll develop. Um, okay. I think after a year in the Premier League, I, I want to see him do better. I mean, I saw flashes of it at the World Cup when he would get on for Brazil. Um, he's got great pace. He's tricky. Um, I think the biggest trick for him or um, challenge for Ten Hag and the coaching staff is to get him to calm down a little bit and look up for his teammates more. Okay. Um, but these last couple of games where he's you know been benched and he's seen him come on, he's made an impact. So... I mean, I don't think he was worth the amount of money we paid for him, but I think he will come good. And we des- we desperately needed somebody on the right side, especially after Greenwood did whatever he did. So, yeah, right, <laughs> right. allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Are there any gaps in the squad conversation that we missed? Or, uh... I mean, I feel like that one of the biggest things he's going to have to do over the summer is get another striker. Okay. Like, um, Weghorst has done great uh, being like a link-up player for Rashford and the pacey, like the pacey, you know, players. Um, and it also, it's just it's kind of nice to see how happy he is to be there. Like he's really, just, sure. like I was at Burnley, <laughs> now I'm here. I'm winning the actual silverware. How did this happen? Yeah, that's pretty wild, right? I mean, he yeah, had some uh, success in Germany in between, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, but. Uh... Yeah, no, it's always great to have a player that is grateful to be at the club, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who they will get. Um, of course, Harry Kane's name pops up all the time, and I think that'd be a, a waste of money. I'd rather have somebody that uh, we can develop. It's, yeah, ex- completely. So I forgot I had uh, further notes. Erickson and Casemiro. Casemiro's obvious. Yeah. 
Harrison talking about the great signing for on a free, you know? Yeah, unbelievable. I was so salty he didn't go back to Brentford. <laughs> yeah, he like he changed that team. Like it was great watching him there. Um, but he, you know, United offered him a lot more money than Brentford could Brentford could afford. Um, he actually fit in a lot faster than I thought he was going to. And sure. seeing him play a little deeper was not what I was expecting. But again, like the link play between like Casemiro to him to Bruno to the front, it's very fast. Like it's good to watch the the midfield. And I have to say that like since the he's been injured, Sabitzer was a smart loaning, you know? Yeah. He's definitely. a he's gonna get a goal or two. Like he's always looking to shoot from distance. Definitely. But, he's got a belter, dude. Yeah. Um let's talk real quick about potential ownership changes. Um obviously you're one of the more vocal fan bases in terms of wanting your ownership out. Um however, you know, are the options on the market that can afford a five billion dollar team any better? I mean, um, yeah, give me your thoughts. I don't want to. Yeah. I personally would not like to see any of the Qatari like conglomerates come in. Um, I'm still a, a very vocal opponent of the, the last World Cup and what happened in Qatar. Uh, Same. It's just, it's, it was just nasty. It's the whole thing is just nasty and too much money. No sense, no compassion. Um, I feel that if one of them buys United, it's just going to be a plaything. And it's going to put us in back into a worse position where, you know, we have all that money. So we start signing all these players and there's just no, it's taken this long to get like a team together that actually seems like a team. Right. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to see that happen again. Um, I think Ratcliffe would be the better choice, but I don't think he wants to spend the 6 billion they're asking for. And honestly, the Blazers don't need to sell. Right. I mean, yeah. We all want um, to go. Yeah, everyone wants to see them go. Um, do you think fan anger can stay high enough to push them out while there's success on the pitch? Because I know, you know, we like to have our integrity and our morals, and there's a lot of virtual si virtue signaling out there. But if you're winning titles again, it's so hard for enough people to stay mad, right? Yeah, I mean, they definitely, there was the, uh, the Manchester United Supporters Trust, even when Ferguson was still winning. You know, the green and gold scarves, everybody's like wanting Glazers out because the, the model of business that they do, that leverage buyout and the amount of debt they put on the club is it's unsustainable. Right. Uh, it, it's amazing that it's lasted this long. Um, so to see somebody who's a little more financially responsible and then to, you know, address the guitar again, like ethically responsible. Right. I, uh, I would prefer to see that happen, but I don't think they're going to sell. I think no one's going to meet their $6 billion valuation. Yeah, it's starting to look that way. Um, did you see the news about Newcastle and their ownership issues that came out this week? I, Pretty... I briefly read that, that there was uh, some ownership. Like it, they found the documents in America, right? I'll break it down as I understand it. And, um, you know, we're not doing a, a, done a, a deep dig here. Yeah. But as I understand it, so their ownership their purchase of newcastle was contingent on assurances of zero government involvement right no saudi government involvement yeah. um now separately um you know, the saudi government is trying to start a competitive golf league that will compete against the pga and the and the pga is suing them yeah and now the saudi government is um has stated that that chairman i don't have his name in front of me here i'm a bad journalist 
Um, but they stated that he is he cannot be compelled to testify in the golf case because he's a sitting minister in the government. So that directly conflicts with yeah, the Newcastle okay. purchase. So because of this golf lawsuit, the, the Newcastle purchase is like kind of up in the air, being questioned again. Um, there's nothing official happening. This is kind of just coming out. But it's funny, right? I mean, it's funny when we know this is all so obviously a joke and so, you know, there's no separation at all, but. There's so much, there's a a cartoonish amount of money that's going on with like Newcastle and with Manchester City, which, I mean, we'll see what happens with them with their financial fair play. I mean, they have over a hundred counts, you know, (laughs) breaching, like it's, something's going to happen. I think that they're the they're going to be the ones that get made the example of. Yeah, the investigation took four years for them to bring it public, and with over 100 counts, you feel like some of that has to be airtight for them to take that much time and bring it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, We can only hope. It's funny that we're old enemies, Graham, but somehow we've become, like, I'm not going to even say, like, begrudging friends, but (laughs) there's a bigger enemy. It's very Game of Thrones, you know, Lannisters and Starks, and meanwhile, we have the fucking army of the dead over here to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm just... Yeah, they they didn't even sell off their stadium. Uh, Right. There's a lot of plastic fans, and I see a lot of, like, Manchester City jerseys around here, and I've been joking, like, you know, where did you go to charter in your Chelsea jersey to get that, you know? Like... (laughs) nobody has any deep roots to it i really experienced the emergence of the man city bandwagon um when i was living in texas um that seems to be when they really were taken off or down there at least because i think it was a new fan base in general in austin Mm -hmm. so you know a lot of bandwagoners and every single one of them had a story about how and why they've been a city fan for 20 years it's like no dude I we were around back then. I don't. I saw one city shirt I remember before the takeover in America. I saw it at the Grafton, and it was random. It wasn't even during a game day. I think it was just like a random old British guy wearing it. You know. Yeah, it's the amount of times I run into uh, new city fans, and they just they they all say Oasis. It's Oasis's team. It's my team. Like, are you Uh, really an Oasis fan like that? (laughs) That's even that's an even stupider excuse. At least make up an excuse about your grandpa or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it definitely is the evil empire. Uh, I mean, anybody who can spend a hundred million pounds on Jack Grealish and then yeah. leave him on the bench for a season. I mean, it's <laughs> all right. Let's talk because when I originally asked you about this, it's funny that I didn't even realize it was Liverpool and Manchester United this weekend. Um, but we have some bonus content to cover because of that. So let's talk team builds. Some here I have mine downloaded. You messaged me yours on Instagram, right? Yeah. You'll know which one's mine if it's mostly United players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alex is getting a sneak peek right now. As you'll see, I think for the first time ever, I did pick a majority United team as well. All right, so starting at the back, no surprises here. You've picked David De Gea. I have picked yeah. Allison. For me, I wanted to pick uh, on these. I was I was thinking more about current like this season um sure because obviously that liverpool team like it's been they're misfiring but there's still some really important pieces in that team um Mm -hmm. and a lot of threats so but the hey especially on his form right now i just can't uh couldn't keep him out right on yeah that that's tough for me to argue with um if i have any truly biased picks i guess that aren't completely rational in my mind it's this one for me allison just really feels like a warm hug to me especially after the keepers we had in the years leading up to him 
um, his steadiness, even when our defense is a mess, and his presence at the back and his his throws and his his kicks. I was about to say his distribution is, is yeah great. Yeah, probably one of the best of the keepers in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't really think you can put up too much argument against either keeper. Moving into the back line, um, yeah, more discrepancies here. We both have Trent at right back. Um, I'm a little surprised about that one, to be honest. Um, at the fullbacks, I thought, if anything, we'd have a discrepancy on the left side. Um, or um, or get along on the left side, I mean. Trent, yeah, I think, obviously, he offers defensive liabilities, but that right foot is, I think, the best since, you know, Beckham and Gerrard, to be diplomatic. Uh, and, you know, asking, especially if you have Varane and Casemiro next to him, asking them just to keep an eye back on that channel a little bit to get that right foot in exchange is worth it. Yeah, um, his going forward and, like, yeah, his ability to whip across in, you know, is mm-hmm. able to. That's why I had to pick him over Dalo or uh, Juan Basaka right now. Center backs here, um, you've got Varane and Martinez. It's tough for me to argue with those two. Although I have Martinez and Van Dyke. See, I almost picked Van Dyke, uh, but just based on his form of late, I, I went with Varane on that. Although I have to say that, like, uh, over the, the yesterday, uh, Van Dyke was looking back to his old self, was a little more imperious. So, yeah, we've had. When he has been in, and he's been in and out with injury more than usual this season, he's had such a rotating cast of partners as well. Um, I think he's played with four different center back partners. I still have faith in him, and I'm still putting him in there. Um, Robertson, this one's kind of a toss-up for me. Actually, you could very, very easily convince me to flip that to Luke Shaw right now. He's been amazing. Yeah, his resurgence under Ten Hag is just he just looks fit, you know, and I think you guys were speaking about on the last episode about like how somebody who's had that many injuries and like an actual straight leg break, still able to like move that fast. And also his, uh, seeing him go into the center back pairings was insane. His height and his speed, but I think also his distribution was one of the biggest factors of putting him there. He's just, he's just very well drilled and disciplined. And when he's on, when he's on the left, he's just marauding back and forth. But he's always, again, seems to be in the right space and just, so fast in the midfield i completely conceded our midfield's been a dumpster fire this season mm-hmm. i chose erickson casemiro fernandez graham mm-hmm. chose fernandez casemiro fabinho Fabinho's um, a beast. I, I couldn't hold him out you know like he's, yeah. he's a classic destroyer and uh and him and casemiro together like on the brazil team is fun to watch too so yeah it's funny i feel like you chose fabinho on kind of long-term reputation and form he is a monster i chose erickson on kind of the same thing um i don't know how influential he's really been on united season but uh i just love him and he's always great for me to see in the midfield yeah he's, he's just uh he's a very calm presence and just silky he's just an absolute like professional like he makes smart passes you know nothing too flashy a lot of times and the only, only reason i kind of kept him out also was that he was injured and i was just thinking about uh, people are playing at the moment so oh right on you know actually i didn't even take injuries into consideration um which maybe that answers questions about your your front line really surprised me graham chose salah anthony and martial <laughs> two separate players there um i chose anthony rashford and nunez no rashford for you was so, the headline for me oh wait Oh, actually, no, I was supposed to put Rashford on there. Sorry. <laughs> Instead of <laughs> Martial, yeah. I was oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Rashford, obviously, he's, like, he's having the season of his, of his career right now, and uh, any team would want to have him on their side. Um, Anthony, that he's 
been good these last couple of games. I'm excited to watch him play. And Salah's a big game player. He pops up when, when you need him, you know? Yeah, that's true. I've been really, really frustrated with Salah this season, to be honest. Uh, I mean, to ask Alex, he's had to watch games with me. I'm just throwing my arms up in the air constantly. Um, His confidence isn't there. He's still bundling home a couple, but every time he's running into space down that channel, by the time he gets about 20 yards out, he pulls up his pace every single time and kind of looks for a play. He's not taking players on. His shots don't look decisive. Um, I really think for you guys that losing Sané was a huge loss. Um, Oh, Mane. Yeah, I I completely agree, dude. Um, I think I was the one of very few Liverpool fans, but I thought I wanted to see Salah out the door before Mane, 100%. Um, yeah, you think about a big game player, Mane is always going to be that one that's just, he's everywhere. He's know? everywhere, dude. And uh, not to even mention how much we would have got exponentially more money for Salah instead, too. Anyway, so yeah, we agree on Anthony. We agree on Rashford. Um, I brought Nunez, Nunez in as well. Um, that was a tough call considering, um, you know, Y'all have a lot of a talent down the left, but I think Nunez has been criminally underrated and kind of meme to this season. Mm-hmm. He's had some notable misses that have been all over the internet, and his tally, I think because of his price tag, he was being compared to Holland in the preseason, and his tally's nowhere near that. But for those that are watching him week in, week out, he has been an absolute monster, both in playmaking and build-up, hold-up play, um, mm-hmm. counterattacking. He's always making the right pass. And um, I think it's any week his finishing is going to click. And his goal tally isn't even bad. I think he's already in double digits in all competitions. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the memes have been pretty ruthless on the internet, but I don't think that they're necessarily warranted. Like, Yeah, no, I think the internet's got this one wrong. I think Nunez is absolutely going to come good. Core attacker for me at the moment. Relatively balanced mix in the starting 11s here. Um, I think there are some sp- surprises in where we flopped, but... Uh, that's an interesting exercise. Let's talk about the game itself. Do you want to just do a score prediction? Or do you want to do you talk about it in depth? I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I think my, my brain is telling me it's going to be a 2-1 win to United. And I think okay. that you guys are going to score first. Okay. Um, I think Go, we played a lot of games. And going into the this game, um, it's going to be tough. But... Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a derby. You never know what's going to happen. The it's hate true. is real. <laughs> yeah, the hate is real. That cliche exists for a reason. You know Anfield is going to be an insane atmosphere. Both squads have new enough new players that don't really know this this environment as much. So who knows how they'll react. But um, it seems like the stage is set for Rashford to like make goddamn United history and have some kind of famous night. I yeah. would say I really think that it's going to be a fun game because I don't see either team laying back. I don't think it's going to be like a game of chess. I think both teams are just going to go for it. I think it's going yeah. to be end to end. Yeah, absolutely. And no matter how well advised that might be for us right now, um, we just Klopp won't do it. Like Alex said in the last week's podcast, actually, like Klopp just doesn't actually know how to play a conservative game. So it's going to be fun. Um, I think I predicted 2-0 two, two United, actually. I don't think we're going to let you have your have your way with us. Um, it's not going to be like one of those talked-about nights like we had that 5-0 at Old Trafford. I don't think it's going to be that dramatic. I hope not. Can you tell I'm afraid of it happening just by the fact that I'm talking about it? <laughs> um, but no, our defense is kind of coming back together. Virgil and Kanate have been reunited, and that's ideal for us. But... Your defense has looked good, too, and we have showed nothing going forward, so I don't see us getting on the board at all. And I can see y'all forcing home a couple. So 
Well, I'm curious to see what like how you guys line up because I've seen you do a four four two several times this season, and honestly, the way that you guys run forward, it kind of becomes a four two four, right? Which it's it's a risk, and if you want to try to overrun United's back line that way, you leave yourself completely open in the midfield, which I think is where a lot of like trouble you guys have had this season, right? But, if it works, it's terrifying because you've got a lot of attacking talent as well. Um, I, I personally think he's going to go for a four-three-three against us. Yeah, I do too. My guess is it will be Fabinho Henderson, and the last one's a roll of the dice, um, depending on who's fit and who he trusts in training from the week. Maybe Elliot, maybe Basetich, maybe Milner. Um, it could be a really conservative midfield. Who knows? I think Milner will be far too slow for that game. I, yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, what was the game we just had played Milner Henderson in? Uh, was that Palace? That was yeah. disgusting, dude. I hope you didn't watch that game. It's one of the worst games I've ever seen. <laughs> I watched it. It was it was awful. <laughs> yeah, it was barely it was barely a game of football. I can't think of a single incident in that game. Um, I was at work and I uh, at one point I turned up and it's just like it's, it's still on. It's still going. <laughs> <laughs> I stood up when I when it was over and I was like I'm so mad I watched that game because I, I little did I know I was coming down with COVID I hadn't tested at the time but I just had just wanted to go to bed so bad and I <laughs> powered through it and it was just two hours of misery cool man do you have anything else you want to talk about this was this has been great we're a little over an hour now or just about on an hour I didn't mean to take this much of your time sorry about that no no it's actually really good talking to you guys it's been it's been too long yeah I would time. say that I, I miss a lot of our old morning in Chicago and there's just good fans you know there's good banter but also people actually care and you can talk to them about it you know like yeah should we tell um a little story about uh the history of graham and i being uh graham being a soccer bar bartender in chicago um i'm gonna give you a little intro before we cut into the phone call in the pod so i'll, I'll give you a full bio <laughs> yeah. but um one memorable day when graham was behind the bar a small bar liverpool were visiting old trafford I think it, it was on St. Patrick's Day too, by yeah, by coincidence. Exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this was the day Liverpool went in our awesome silver away kit and won four-one at Old Trafford. Goals from like Torres and Gerrard and um, our Italian fullback Desena. I can't remember his name. Anyway, I've never been a big drinker in my life. This was probably when I was the biggest, but Graham was giving me shots at each goal. I think I don't remember. Anyway. It was bad. <laughs> Some whiskey shots came across. Uh, Graham was begrudgingly, I guess, allowing me to celebrate in his house uh, a win at Old Trafford, which at that point, I don't know if I had ever seen in the league. You all have to realize that my hatred for United is earned. The first, <laughs> the first decade of my Liverpool fandom was just being ritualistically abused by Manchester United. Um, so this was huge for me. And anyway, I got so drunk, I puked in Graham's bar. I tried to make it out to the alley and left a trail on the way out. The only time in my life I've ever puked in public. Alex, yeah, sorry about that, man. I don't know if I ever came back and apologized. That was, uh, you were you were the first of the many pukers that day. With the, I was going to uh, say, for me, I yeah. felt so guilty, me of all people, get it kicking off your St. Patrick's Day that way. You know, I was still more mad at Steven Gerrard for, like, kissing the camera that game than I was at you for throwing up in the bar. <laughs> yeah, you, you still have to see that clip on, like, NBC broadcast, too. They always show it on the little commercial. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they'll show that forever. Yeah, they will. But, I mean, you know, in the end, as usual, I think you were the long-term winner that season. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun day. It was a fun day. <laughs> yeah, I'll well, say Graham, that, uh, sorry, uh, real ahead. quick, that's a... Uh, I've always enjoyed having you guys around because even though we're all in, in different 
different tribes, uh, we all can still talk about it and have a good time, you know, instead of just the pure hate. <laughs> So. Yeah, man. Yeah, I absolutely meant what I said on the podcast. I wasn't joking. It's so much easier for me to talk about Manchester United rationally when I'm talking to you or our, our mutual buddy, Paco. Um, yeah. yeah, I look at you and I see such a good dude. How can I be mad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's my pleasure to come out and talk to you guys today. So, Dude, please, if you had fun, please come back. You're welcome anytime. Anytime you need some commentary on United, I'm here. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Graham. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Have guys. a good night, dude. Soccer situation. Soccer, 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 soccer situation. situation.